Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter, taking a look at another psalm today, looking at Psalm 45. Uh, not a psalm of David, but we've seen a couple of these already. One of the uh, psalms of the sons of Korah, or Korah. So, uh, and interesting, this one, a, a love song, it says. So, I mean, that that's a little bit interesting among the psalms. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of the things in this psalm, uh, I mean, you, you've got uh, praise of God, right? Your, your throne, oh God, is forever and ever. But you do have a little bit of this uh, this love song stuff going on. All glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold. I, I mean, this is uh, one of the places where the psalms start to kind of sound like uh, the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, as it's called. So, I mean, this is this is kind of a unique psalm in this way, and I think we'll see there's a lot of good stuff going in here uh, besides just nice poetry. So, without any further ado, let me introduce our guest. We've got joining us today Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer from St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri, Welcome, brother. Good to have you on with us. And uh, yeah, this is a this is an interesting one to be looking at, right? Yeah, um, as I was uh, reading through it again, and as I was doing some preparations, I, I learned quite a bit about uh, the sons of Korah and about uh, what this song might be about. We don't know for sure because we didn't live at that time, but uh, right. a lot of interesting. Uh, tidbits of information i found uh, yes well i mean it's um it's one of these that i think invites a lot of uh, speculation mm-hmm. and a lot of curiosity just because it is so unique and so you know you you, you try you know when you're going through the psalms you, you want to find out what was originally going on so we can kind of make the connections and draw the analogy well but uh, yeah, you're right. Sometimes that's that's just a little difficult, and you know you don't know like the nuances of uh, yeah, ancient Hebrew courtship and things like this. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's it, a little bit of a challenge. But I think there's there's still some things we'll be able to pick up on. Well, yeah, yeah. So all right. Well, uh, let's let's go ahead and turn to the text, and we'll read the whole thing straight through, and then we'll circle back around and kind of look at some of this stuff in the first few verses. But before we do that, brother, uh, would you open us up with a prayer? Yes, please. Let's do that. Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful day. It is a day that you have made, and so we rejoice and we are glad in it. We ask that as you remind us that you are the King, and that we are your servants, that you would show us your love for us and that we would be expressive of even more of our love for you. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, like I was saying, let's just go ahead and um, actually just read through the whole text. So we'll start and we'll, we'll actually go ahead and include this, this uh, superscription, which is pretty interesting how, how long and detailed it is. Um, mm-hmm. But as, as we've been saying, it is technically verse 1 in the Hebrew, so it's in the Hebrew text, so we're going to go ahead and read it. But So here it is, Psalm 45 in the English Standard Version from the top. To the choir master, according to lilies, a maskeel of the sons of Korah, a love song. 
My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like a pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. And your majesty ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of right uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold, and many colored robes she has led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Yeah, so really, uh, truly different. Um, not, not like any of the Psalms that we've taken a look at here in a long while. I mean, re- reading it straight through, um, it, it does feel a lot, something like Song of Songs. It, it seems like there is something of a, uh, it, it seems like there's like a, a change of voice halfway through. Um, it, it all, I mean, it almost seems like at first, like it's the, the bride who's, who's speaking, the, the woman. And then like halfway through, it's, uh, it, it seems per, perhaps like it's someone who's advising her or encouraging her. Uh, but, but all in all, when you re- read the whole thing straight through, it, it seems like it's uh, a woman who's being uh, led along to be presented to the king who's, who's being taken from um, her to, to live wherever she came from, you know, with her, her family, her relatives. And now she's going to go and live in the palace uh, where, where she will, you know, as it says at the end, um, have, have princes um, who will rule and, and have a name and be remembered and all the rest. So um, it does seem like it's uh, this moment of a transition of a, of a, of a wedding, um, th- this, this kind of, uh, well, this kind of marriage feast sort of preparation or ceremony leading up to it. What, what do you think as you, as we just hear the whole thing read out like this? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, we'll find out that there's really a, a double meaning or even a prophecy in here, but, um, you know, it was written, um, you know, the superscript, as you said, it says a love song, and it, it's almost like a song that would be written for a wedding. Mm-hmm. And the first half is uh, uh, talking about how wonderful the groom is. And the groom is the king, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what it says. I address my verses to the king. And then the uh, in, in my notes, I have that the 
the bride is a uh, foreign wife, and that's why it says uh, um, in verse 10, forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. And so I think it's, uh, um, you know, this could have been uh, a king of Israel that married a a foreign woman. Um, so it could have been an actual a hymn or a song for a wedding that actually did happen. Uh, but then also we can see a lot of uh, wonderful imagery uh, for, especially if you're uh, looking at verse 6, you know, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so there's this idea that this king isn't any normal king. That So mm-hmm. there is a... There's more than just a an, an earthly wedding from of a king and a and a princess. So I think we'll learn a little bit more as we go along. Cer- yeah, certainly. I mean, and, and Song of Songs is the same way. I think that uh, you know it's it's love poetry, right? Uh, yeah. But there, there's always been in the tradition of of the church uh, this way of taking it on another level and seeing that relationship between. Christ in the church. So, yeah, I, I think that certainly that, that same kind of logic, it's no surprise that, that we have both of those things here and some of the features you already uh, started hinting at, yeah, I think are going are gonna to take us there. Um, let's just maybe here just try to focus on some of the, the details at the very beginning. At the, at the top of it here, you know, we, we have some of these things. I, I want to say that this is not the only hymn that or a psalm that that has uh lilies in the superscript but may, maybe this maybe this is actually it um no no there's a there's a couple others i think yeah uh later on in what is it 69 and yeah 80 so there there's a there's a few others at least um it's not the only one but i do think this is the only one um that that says a love song um in the title and mm-hmm. and and more than that uh, this seems to be the only place in the uh, in the Hebrew Bible, actually, where you have this word for for love here. So, the just from the very first uh, verse here, the, the title, this is a singular psalm. Yeah, I think it uh, um, it definitely stands by itself, at least in the order uh, where it is. There, there isn't a. Um, you know, it was almost like it was written uh, for, uh, like I said, like a specific couple, um, but even more so uh, for God and his people. As, as it is the scriptures, God is always uh, using, um, uh, you know, his people as an analogy for his uh, love for for us. And so mm-hmm. I think uh, that's definitely a... Uh, a, a good thing, but it is a very unusual psalm, and that it doesn't really follow the order of the ones before it or after it, and it's um, it's a very special occasion, nonetheless, for sure. Well, and, and uh, to, to your point, you know, about it being for, for the people of God, I mean, it is interesting that, you know, may, maybe our minds go to David um, or, or to Solomon, and you know, I'm thinking to myself. I mean, wasn't wasn't David? Didn't he marry? Um, if I'm not getting my wires crossed, um, like one of the Egyptian princesses, or was that mm-hmm. was that Solomon? I want to say it was David. Uh, I think uh, that they they may have both done so. 
wouldn't that wouldn't be it wouldn't be a surprise um so i mean i think i think anyway like your mind goes there mine does but mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't say actually a psalm of david um no. you know e- even even though i mean i mean plenty of psalms get that um superscription we just have um you know it's interesting it's it's a it's a masquil of the sons of of Korah or or Korah, and and that's and that's interesting that that it would be that because as we've been talking about you know um, these 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 Korahites um, you know these these yeah these, these sons these sons of uh, of Korah they, they they have to deal with special duties in the temple right mm-hmm. they they deal with the holy things and so yeah. it's it's kind of curious to me actually at first blush that. That the sons of of Korah who deal with the temple and the holy things would be talking about I don't I mean a love song and stuff that's that's going on in the in the palace. Yeah, I think um, um, you know Asaph and Jedithan or um, Ethan and and Heman they wrote quite a few of these psalms, uh, sons of Korah and and. Some of them they're individual. Some of them they're, um, and, I, and the way I think of it is uh, kind of just the way that um, you know, even in our church still today, we um, um, I'm trying to think of the word we get uh, get writers and and musicians to write hymns for our church. I think that's uh, might be what, what's happening here that they were. Um, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of, but they were, they were, they were servants of the king. They were servants mm-hmm. of the temple as well, but they were servants of the king, and and they were um, uh, choir uh, choir guys. They were musicians, and so um, you know they were they were asked to um, you know write hymns, and so I think that's. A lot has to do with just that—that that they were just writing a hymn, but this hymn is special because it is, um, you know, God's word. And um, you know, uh, verse one here: "My heart overflows with a pleasing theme." Um, uh, pleasing word is another way to put it, and and um, you know. Just that there, whichever one of the sons of Korah wrote it, or if they all tried kind of wrote it together they were being led by the spirit and so their their heart overflowed with uh, the spirit's words as they wrote it well i think that's that's certainly uh, an aspect of it there, there is something um hymnic i mean god is is blessed and praised and the korahites uh, did have that responsibility of being a part of of, of leading god's people in worship so um that this is going on as a part of worship, um, you can see that connection. Also, I mean, it's not unusual. I, I mean, this is an interesting thing I didn't um, know even till too long ago. Um, you know, we, we we think of you know weddings done in the church. Well, I mean, for a long long time, most people did not get married um, in in the church. What you would do is you would just get married, and then the next Sunday you'd show up and you'd you'd make an announcement right to everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and it would be celebrated, of course, in the church, and, you know, the, you, there would be prayers um, for the couple in the church, right? But it wasn't necessarily that you would, you know, 
the, the woman has the, the, the big white dress, and it's like a ceremony done inside the church. So mm-hmm. it, it could be in that respect that this is uh, the, the sons of, of Korah who are praising God and leading God's people in praise for um, for the, the new couple or, or for, for the couple that is soon to be wed. So, I mean, it could be like that, the way that, you know, we, we pray for people uh, and, you know, maybe sometimes we, we recognize um, anniversaries or things like this and we will pray for couples, right? Um, I, I mean, I also wonder, though I don't, I just honestly don't know um, if, if uh, the king would have actually had a wedding ceremony inside the temple and if that would have actually been something that took place there or on the temple mount i actually just don't even know that is that something that you came across in your reading yeah, I, uh, it wasn't anything that i found as to whether that would happen or not but um you know i don't think um from what i know of that time and that place i don't think that they really even had uh very much of a ceremony period i think it was uh mm-hmm. you know if you think of uh the way um, even the wedding at Cana, it doesn't talk about a ceremony or anything like that. It just talks about the party. Right. And usually that's what, <laughs> right. you, what you hear about is the celebration, the, the reception afterward. And so, you know, and the, uh, and what they, what we have is a ceremony these days, you know, it can be as big or as little as you want it to be. I've done a lot of very small weddings, and I've done quite a few huge weddings. Where, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I, but I would think uh, this being a king and a princess, that it would probably be a pretty pretty big to do. But right. as far as it being in the temple, I, I don't think that they would have, especially since it was a foreign, according to my notes, anyways, a foreign princess. Well, yeah, and that's that's certainly a consideration. I mean, you do have that at the end, the idea of um, you know, for, forget your your father's house and and that, and that that could point in that direction. There's maybe a couple of other things too, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I think that certainly just the mention of the king, um, just the fact that the sons of of, of Korah have been, uh, as you kind of were kind of suggesting, maybe like almost. Um, employed to write this, right? They did serve mm-hmm. um, the king as well. So, I mean, it does point to this idea of, um, in any case, leading up to, I mean, we know um, in the New Testament even, you had the, in the parables, you know, the the virgins wise and foolish who were preparing to, to go into the feast. And so that there were like vigils and and pre-parties and post-parties and yeah. i mean i mean like a week of celebration really yeah. um uh-huh. it, it makes sense in that context so you have all a part of all this stuff going on this big you know a, a, you know multiple days of celebration leading up to this and that will include um prayers and praise uh, that, that are sung um even by the sons of korah um and in what what it is fundamentally then it says is a love song and that word love um, it, it's unique because, well, I mean, it's not, it's not the only time that this root occurs in Hebrew, but maybe just the last thing, because, um, I mean, we should really talk more about, uh, as you were already mentioning, verse 1 and verse 2. Uh, but it is uh, interesting because it's not the usual word for love that's that's used in Hebrew. For instance, the, the word that's going to uh, come up uh, later on, where it talks about loving righteousness, for example, it's not that word where it kind of means to um, befriend it or to be on the same side of it or to show allegiance to it. Uh, this is uh, pretty much actually a straight up word for affection and for intimacy. 
yeah. which which really kind of points us ahead to what we're talking about as well that th- this is actually a peculiarly um intimate song a psalm yeah and i think um and that's a real uh pointing to our relationship or our the intimate uh knowledge that uh, our lord jesus has has with us and i think that's where we get into this being also um a messianic psalm as well there's a whole bunch of stuff and we could spend hours and hours on that point to Jesus in yeah. uh, this psalm as well. And I think it's, uh, so it's uh, a love song for a king and his bride, but then if we think of the king and his bride, the church, then we, uh, you know, then it uh, opens up a whole bunch of other wonderful imagery in here as well. And so that's a really important point that, that the the intimacy here is being recognized as a relationship um, b- between the, the the people of God and um, and God Himself. And what what's fascinating is that this is in the Old Testament, right? So of course mm-hmm. we we see this in a big way in the New Testament, like for instance in Revelation, which we didn't read too long ago, uh, where you know you have the image of you know the bride, the you know the woman in splendor, and, and the rest. But uh, that we already have this here in the Old Testament is is, uh, is striking, because I sometimes feel like people say, like, well, you know, um, in the New Testament, you know, Jesus showed how uh, we can have this intimate relationship with God, and he called God Father, right? Um, and, but they didn't do that in the Old Testament. Well, I mean, not, not exactly. I mean, if you go back in the Old Testament, now, it's true that I think the, the intimacy um, that the Lord Jesus uh, brings us into only only it becomes deeper and more profound, but it's already here in in some ways in in the Old Testament. And you did have this this image of God as a faithful husband who loves his bride and and defends her and provides for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so and then here's the word talking about that that intimacy. So uh, as we look at like these first few verses, then um, it's not. I mean, it's 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 interesting because on the one hand you can see, well, yeah, this is it sounds like the woman is, um, you know, very excited. Um, she she has so many things that she could say, right? Like the the thing about the the, the pen of a ready scribe. Um, you know, she finds the, the king um, to be to be beautiful and, and blessed and and powerful and strong and all the rest, right? But that all of these things could be said by God's people for their God who had done so many things for them and had revealed how beautiful his steadfast love and power was for them, rescuing um, us, his people, time and time again. Yeah, I think uh, there's, uh, to go back to your point, that there's not a whole lot of relationship in the Old Testament. I always tell people that there's, I always find more gospel in the Old Testament than I often do in the Gospels. and uh, how God deals with his people by grace, uh, how he has mercy on his people. And there's, uh, in this psalm, there's tons and tons of that kind of speaking. Um, You know, in your majesty, uh, let's see, uh, where was it now? Oh, verse 2, you are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. So, just uh, just that alone, that grace is poured upon your lips, 
um, who is it that speaks grace to us but God himself. And then you can go to verse 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And so um, we have, you know, whether it's the princess speaking to the king or whether it is, uh, you know, in a way, us as God's children speaking to God, it's definitely a a psalm of praise to God as well. Uh, certainly. I mean, it's uh, and it's interesting how, as you were saying, just pointing us to there in, in verse 7, you've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. I mean, this is the language that you do see um, in, in the psalms or throughout Scripture, just of uh, of faithfulness, of, of the fear of God, that, you know, the, the king who fears God should love righteousness, love the 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 law of the Lord, the Torah, the instruction of the Lord, and and hate wickedness, or um, like we talked about, how, how hate and love here in their usual senses, making no friend with wickedness, not aligning himself or associating with it, uh, but rather um, befriending and showing loyalty for righteousness. So, I mean, that, that just sounds like, you know, uh, the, the fear of God kind of stuff. Um, it, it sounds very much uh, like like Scripture um, that we're used to. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, but then the, it's, it, it's paired, though, uh, with, you know, this idea of, you know, you're the most handsome of the sons of men, which, I mean, I don't know how many times that phrase occurs in the Scriptures. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's all together, uh, which, is, which is just cool to see that, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess I don't. You don't hear that very often in, in love songs, right? Like, oh, you're oh. you're so wonderful, and your your faith is so strong, right? But uh, <laughs> that that the, the two go together actually. And you know, if yeah. we're honest with ourselves, if, as Christians, I mean, um, one of the most inspiring things um, in, in this life is to to see the faith and the example of our spouses, right? And, and just how yeah. they embody. Um, I mean, just just the the goodness and grace of God, and and how often they speak grace to us, and 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 they're the people that we hear absolution from so often um, by the grace of God. So, uh, more more could be said on that point, but we got to take a short break here, everybody. We're looking at Psalm forty five here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're taking a look at Psalm 45 today, this very unique psalm, a song uh, of the sons of Korah, but also a love song, and uh, talking about the the intimacy here, but also just pointing out in verse 7 
that there's this uh, connection between faith and, and beauty and intimacy and righteousness that these are uh, not like you know like oh this is like you know the, the way we talk and think about things on sunday morning and this is the way we you know talk about things with with, with our spouse that the, the things are, are united here uh we're joined today by pastor jeremy klostermeyer from saint john lutheran church in warrenton missouri uh not doing any questions live questions today uh this is a pre-recorded one but i do want to always encourage you guys to check out um, and to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, thank you for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. So, right, we were, we were just looking at that part there, and I think it's interesting, too, the language of um, pouring out of anointing, right? Because, uh, you know, that, that comes up in a few psalms, and, um, of course, our Lord Jesus, he reads from Isaiah, the Lord has anointed me, to preach good news to the poor, right? Um, the idea of of being anointed and having something poured out, of course, like the Spirit uh, poured out on the Lord Jesus. Uh, yeah, that, that anointing language here, um, you know, it says the oil of gladness, and, uh, and then it goes on with, with myrrh and aloes, right? Uh, so myrrh, right? We're thinking about you know, how our Lord was anointed um, at Bethany, before, um, right before the Passion, a few days before Passover, um, uh, how he received myrrh as a child. So it, it's interesting thinking about the things that are being poured out here and the connections we can draw. Yeah, it's, uh, um, I just find it interesting how most of what is, uh, you know, uh, besides that he is the most handsome of the sons of men, just about everything else has to do with his character. And how he uh, has a character of uprightness and righteousness and mercy and grace and and um, so um, I see you know word after word about about Jesus and how this is a this is more a psalm about the King of Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, it could you know it still could have been written about. Uh, maybe something like uh, King Asa after uh, David, uh, 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 one of the kings of Judah, because he was uh, a man of God and he did Mm -hmm. uh, serve the Lord. So it could have been someone after David, maybe a little bit later on. Um, But, you know, it's, uh, you know, just um, just the anointing, like I said, the uh, therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So this is the oil of gladness beyond your companions makes him higher and bigger and better than uh, than anyone else on earth. And you wouldn't really hear that, um, you know, if this was a if this is an evil bad king, you wouldn't hear the sons of Korah, you hmm. know, saying saying all these good things about him like that. Well, yeah, no, I, certainly not um, directly, un- unless it's only in way of, of reminder, something along the lines of, oh my goodness, I mean, you think of like, uh, you know, King Henry uh, the the Eighth, right, you know, who, you know, mm-hmm. the, the title like Defender of the Faith and all the rest and all the marriages and divorces and, you know, I mean, I mean, the, 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 I mean if you're a cardinal there in England, like, uh, you're going to call him the Defender of the Faith and you're going to, you know, say that he's pious and everything else and, 
maybe as you do so, you're trying to remind him, <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's what you should be, right? That's what your, yeah. you know, your, your predecessors were, uh, yeah. even if that's not exactly what they're living up to. I think that does actually kind of draw us back to the idea that this is a masquil. Um, we talked mm-hmm. about this a little bit, even though that's a little uncertain. Um, you know, the root means uh, to have insight. And so I wonder if this is meant to be a little bit of a, a wisdom psalm, a little bit of a reminder that is both for the king, um, you know, and that, hey, this, this, is, this is who you are. You know, this is, this is uh, what you're supposed to be. You know, this is, this is why you are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, uh, you do, uh, I mean, yes, you, you do do the work of God by, you know, de- defeating the enemies and, you know, uh, actually conquering and being victorious. Uh, but because you love righteousness and hate wickedness. And um, I mean, I mean, there's that word right there, has anointed. That's the Messiah word there, uh, because God's chosen you, right? That's from God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, maybe this is like a bit of a reminder uh, to to the king and maybe also a bit of a reminder to, um, to the bride-to-be um, and perhaps even for the people of Israel that, you know, hey, this is... Uh, this, this is how you ought to be thinking about God on a certain level. You know, as as we're all celebrating another another wedding, you know, maybe this was used, um, you know, like, you know, every time there was a wedding um, or, or every, you know, not that there was a ceremony per se in the temple uh, or anything like that, like you were saying, but every time it, it happened that one of these marriages um, commenced there between the king and uh, a, a princess or a foreign princess, that this was, this psalm was brought out perhaps um, and it was just a way of saying, hey, look what's going on right now. And hey, this is an opportunity, a moment for us all to reflect on how this beautiful picture of love and intimacy is the one that we enjoy with God. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, uh, he talks about it being a mescal or a mesquil. Um, You know, it is, a, it is an instruction for us to... to um, realize the power and authority of God and if we are to associate ourselves with the with the uh, princess you know then uh, we can uh, uh, of course take um, verse 11 I think it is yeah uh, you know we forget our past way our people our father's house and the king desires our beauty, so I almost think of that as a repentance, turning mm. from our old ways and turning to the Lord, and the Lord will uh, see our beauty as the beauty of Christ. But also then the next part of that, verse 11, since he is your Lord, bow to him. So if we think of ourselves as the princess or the one who will, in essence, marry the king, um, then, you know, we are, he is still our Lord, he is still our God. Um, and so this idea of it being an instructional psalm as well as a psalm of praise, as well as a love song, it's it's got a lot of stuff in it. And that really is interesting. And uh, I think that we were kind of talking about this a little bit before the break, that the idea of, uh, I mean, especially as a man, thinking about, you know, just, just how much I, I gain in the insight that I get from my wife and that, you know, when I see her just the, the way that she'll, you know, just so with, with such like diligence and uh, mm-hmm. selflessness, just, you know, she goes and she's tired and she's hurting, but she's still pouring herself out 
for our little girls, how she's, you know, uh, even with everything going on, you know, she is sympathetic to me um, and whatever I have going on, even if it's like uh, no big deal and it's a trifle compared to what she's going through. She still has that that sympathy for 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 me, even uh, despite her cir- circumstances, um, how she is she's so ready to, to forgive um, when when I am in need of forgiveness, which is all the time. So, I mean, it's really interesting to be thinking about that, especially as a man, how um, there is a certain level where we are really to be looking at our wives, um, and even those of us who are, who are not married, um, to be to looking at the example of our, our mothers, um, of perhaps our older sisters, and, and seeing in them that this is, a, you know, an example insofar as, you know, they are, they are faithful um, and dedicated and the rest. This is... Uh, actually an example of what we as the church are supposed to be like towards God. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just kind of an interesting thing, you know? And so, you know, there's part of you as, as, as a guy who, who rides, who, who reads this and you're like, well, it kind of feels kind of funny to say, you know, you're the most handsome of the sons of men, but there, but there is something about that, that, you know, like you, you, you have to uh, appreciate that um, God has put women here among many, many uh, wonderful reasons to, to teach us, what that relationship between God and his people is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've often said to folks that the husband is the head of the house or the head of the family, and uh, the wife is the neck that turns the head. And I'm sure you've heard that too. And, yeah, um, and, and as long as wedding. the wife is turning the head in the right direction, that's a good thing. And so if we have a a a good spiritual loving um you know christian uh solid wife you know mm-hmm. that's a as the proverbs say uh it's it's hard to find <laughs> but when we find it we have to thank the lord god for it and thank him more and more for our wives each and every day that we have uh, are able to have such wonderful gifts uh to to us, but also that they they show us, like you said, the love of God in 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 ways that we were not we are not able to do so. Well, and um, and then even what you what you were saying just about the idea of you know the the, the neck imagery. I mean, it really is something to how uh, I mean our, our wives and um, I mean just even just speaking generally about the the relationship between man and woman, um, how woman. Really does direct what a man what 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 man sees, right? And like mm-hmm. you see that yeah. again and again in the story of the scriptures, how um, there's so much concern that the men of Israel are going to fall into idolatry um, if they intermingle with the foreign women, because it's just like you said, like you know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, yeah, the man's the head of the household, but it's like it, it's hard not to <laughs> um, act on the thing that's right in front of you that you're looking at. Right, and mm-hmm. so if 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 the if the women in um, in our lives are directing our gaze um, in a particular direction, it's like uh, you, you know it's it's, it's going to be really hard for us not to go that way. Um, yeah. You know that that's the thing you're looking for. That's the thing you got in front of you. I mean, you know, you know they say you know, out of sight, out of mind. Well, it's right in front of your face. It's kind of on your mind a lot. So I, I mean, that there really that really is uh, something that there that there is this kind of constant concern about. Um, a marriage to a foreign wife. And so then to your point earlier, um, almost kind of surprising that there's just like kind of a, 
I don't know, just they, everyone's kind of looking the other way when it comes to these foreign wives of the king himself, right? And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, of course the king's going to marry a foreign wife because that's what you get to do when you're the king. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's, a, there's a call to, you know, like, hey, don't, don't, go, don't go and be a bad influence on our king here, right? But, I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting that it's, that it's happening like that still. Yeah, you can. All you have to do is look to King Solomon and see how his foreign wives. Just the fact that he had more than one wife was a bad, yeah. bad enough thing. But then okay. that he married these foreign wives, and these foreign wives turned his heart away from the Lord. And that's where that's where Ecclesiastes comes in, and he realizes his how he's messed up that way. But. Uh, you know, um, there's a there's a lot to that. We could, you know, have a whole whole lesson on who we should marry and mm-hmm. what we should be looking for in a spouse and and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, you know, I tell my uh, confirmation kids everywhere uh, every year that uh, um, if you uh, the the uh, dating pool is really small here at church, but if you're able to. <laughs> You know, fine, and that's why we go to. It's kind of funny. That's why we go to, to the <laughs> national youth gathering, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, those kinds of things. But um, now, uh, uh, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's good to find a wife who has the same uh, spiritual values and theology and understanding as you. It makes life a whole lot easier, and I'm thankful that God has blessed me with that for sure. Oh yeah, amen, and and likewise uh, for myself. And it's uh, yeah, it's I, I think that the confirmation though that we are talking about, in fact, a foreign wife, um, really I think is in verse um, eleven in the Hebrew. Um, it's verse ten in, in English here. Uh, forget your people, where it, where it says that that word there. Um, you know, it's the usual word for forget and people. There, it's um, you know, it's it's um, it's the the word that. I mean, it can be used for the the people of God, uh, but it's often used to describe the, the peoples, as in like you know the, the nations, like the Gentiles. Uh, mm-hmm. But bottom line, you would not, <laughs> uh, if she were an Israelite, this wouldn't make any sense. You would not say, "Forget your people," you know, forget Israel. No. Um, so it, it kind of forces you actually at this this line to take this as actually okay. We are talking about. Um, a foreign wife. Now, there is hope because on the lips of the foreign wife, what does she say earlier, right? When it when she says, uh, when she's praising uh, the king, one of the things that she says, um, you know, uh, where, where is it there earlier? Uh, your arrows are sharp in the heart of the, the king's enemies, the people's fall under you, right? And so I, I think that um, that, and I think that's actually using the same word there for uh, peoples. Um, but so like that idea being that, okay, she seems to be actually on board with this, <laughs> that mm-hmm. she is counting herself um, as, yeah, it's the, it's the same word there, um, meme there, um, that, that she is, she's counting herself as an Israelite. She's joining herself to the people of God. Um, she's not looking back on, um, on where she came from. So like uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Ruth. Um, but so like, like, like Ruth, you know, who joins herself, uh, mm-hmm. to Israel, uh, or, or like Rahab who joins herself to Israel so that this happens. Um, so, so it's not as if, um, you know, it's not possible. And in that way, it is, uh, an example of repentance that, that God can take someone who is his enemy as he does with all of us, 
um, and then makes us part of his, his own people. Uh, but even though God shows his grace like that, um, not not a permission slip for those uh, for those kings of Judah who took all these foreign wives, as you mentioned, plural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, well, there's always uh, there's always the warning from God uh, throughout the Old Testament not to marry foreign uh, wives, not to marry foreign women, and so we see the guys, uh, you know, Samson and and uh, well, we could go go through all the lists um, right. that that did it um, and how it uh, worked out bad for them. At the same time, we see that God did allow for the foreigner to come in willingly and to become part of God's people. That there was, mm-hmm. uh, an, I guess you could say, an allowance for that, that, but they would have to turn as a you know, as it says there in verse 11, that uh, they would have to pretty much forsake or forget their own people and their own gods and their own father's house and become part of the nation, become part of God's people. And, uh, right. And that's a and uh, uh, that's a um, a uh, I can't think of words today, but it's a a way to show how we, as who are born sinful. Uh, need to uh, forsake and forget our uh, way, um, you know, and come to our senses and turn to God in repentance for forgiveness as well. And, and I think that that's that's a certainly even a theme in the in the Old Testament as well. That I mean, especially when you you go back and you you think of, I mean, just like the Exodus, um, just that idea that you know. God, God goes and He says, "Hey, um, you know, you're you're just you know they're slaves in Egypt, right? Um, and then even after that, you're just your twelve tribes just scattered, doing your own thing, fighting among each other. Uh, but it's it's through God putting His name on these people um, and reaching out to them um, and mm-hmm. and putting His name on them that then there's this this transformation, and so." I think this this makes sense, and that even if you're reading this as an Israelite and you're thinking to yourself, like, well, I didn't marry a foreign woman, and I would never think of doing such a thing, and all the rest, that there's this kind of awareness that, like, on a certain level, kind of all of all of Israel sort of used to be kind of outside of God's house, mm-hmm. um, and it was only graciously uh, taken in uh, through yeah. the, the actions of God. Well, and then you could even take it a whole step further and talk about how we are Gentiles, and how uh, you know after um, you know this. I hate to to go in a another direction, but we have a great commission passage for this Sunday. It's mm-hmm. going to be Trinity Sunday, and so um, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And the mm-hmm. whole fact that uh, all nations can be brought into. Uh, into the kingdom and can be made disciples, um, and right. so uh, the and so we can we can put ourselves into the place of the princess here, and just that uh, fact that we become uh, his God's children that we become in essence we become royalty, uh, not because we deserve it but because we uh, God marries Himself to us. Well, and going back to this um, idea 
uh, of God being the one, right, who who marries himself to us. I mean, so that, that was striking, and I think we kind of went over it maybe a little bit fast there. Uh, it says there in verse 6, back in verse 6, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, which, which is interesting because if the woman is speaking to the king, then she seems to be calling the king God, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is, uh, yeah, being kind of striking, I think, to our ears. Now, this is picked up on, um, well, I mean, first of all, I mean, the Lord Jesus, not, it's not for this particular psalm, I don't think, uh, but he, he actually cites uh, a psalm that says, hey, look, um, see, even in Scripture, uh, the term God is used for for kings, for royalty, um, you know, so, so that that's one thing. I think that's in John that he does that. Uh, but then in Hebrews, this verse actually gets picked up. Hebrews one eight, it says, "But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of Your kingdom." So, I mean, yeah, th- this is really interesting that you know, if this is being directed at the King, that He would be addressed this way. I mean, so what does that what does that show that? Uh, the king here is already representing God in this way. Um, that yeah. that you know, it's of course they don't in Israel they don't worship you know, more than one God. They don't think he's like a God. He's a, he's a different God or something. Uh, but but they they see him and they say, you know what, this man is representing and standing in the place of God as a representative of the true King who stands behind him. Yeah, and I think um, you know uh, the second part of verse. Um, Seven, you know, therefore God, your God, has anointed right. you with the oil of gladness. And so when I look at that passage, I see Jesus. That uh, yeah. first he's God, and then it's the your God, God, your God. So it's, um, you know, referring to the Messiah, Christ. And right. and that's where, you know, that's where we get this uh, kind of double meaning for this passage, that it could be both a wedding anthem or a wedding hymn and also be a a uh, praise and a thanksgiving to God for uh, taking us as his bride. Uh, cer- certainly, and um, and seeing how that, that, that balance, that kind of the both levels, they, they meet in this one individual, the, the king of God's people, that uh, on that on that one level, he... He represents, um, you know, all these things, and um, you know, is represent. He represents uh, the faithfulness of God to His people, and all these different things. Um, and then, of course, there's the level that, where God actually is just doing these things, and it points uh, it points ahead ultimately that there is going to be a Messiah, one who is anointed, right, one who has oil of gladness poured on him, beyond his companions, beyond. The other kings beyond the the others who are called Messiah in different ways, um, who would not just represent God but actually be Him, um, and that yeah. the ultimate way of actually representing Him would to as the King would be to actually be Him in the flesh, and, and so you know the, pointing in that direction. Then, uh, I mean, yeah, really interesting that when you're looking at the the last uh, several verses, this idea of uh, gifts and um, being led in joy and gladness and gold and many colored robes. Uh, I mean, yeah, just all, all things that seem like, you know, very fitting for uh, a royal marriage. But, I mean, the New Testament speaks this way, too, of 
the Lord Jesus being the ascended royalty who in his ascension brings gifts for his bride. Yeah. Well, in the last verse, verse 17, uh, is the uh, biggest gift, if you will, that, uh, and, it, and it ends with, I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations, therefore nations will praise you forever and ever. So, who's that talking about? Is that uh, talking about us, the bride? Is it talking about the princess? Is it talking about Jesus? Um, and just the mm. fact that it uses the word, I will cause your name, um, you know, <laughs> uh, multi-layered, right. multi-faceted psalm for sure. Right. Well, and, and one of those layers that, that I think about is in this little, um, there's this little line here. It's it's just kind of a, a fun thing that you've got, where is it? It's, uh, yeah, there it is in verse 12. It says, the people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the riches of all of, of the people. Which, uh, this is not unusual that, um, you know, a, for, a foreign nation would come bringing gifts. If you're going to come and, like, talk business with a king, you, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally, it says they're actually the daughter of Tyre. Um, and there's actually, right, a like a, the, the Syrophoenician woman, right, like who's up there by the region of Tyre who actually goes to the Lord mm-hmm. and seeks his favor, right, and who seeks a, a gift for mm-hmm. her daughter, right, um, which, is, which is a very interesting thing. And uh, I, I think it just kind of points to that mysterious way of how it talks in Ephesians. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And, I mean, we really do experience the riches of heaven in the ascension through the authority of the church, the uh, absolution of sins, the sacraments. Um, I mean, there, there is a royal wedding that we celebrate um, every, every Sunday, in the supper mm-hmm. um, with the bridegroom of the lamb and his kingdom. So thank you so much, brother. Uh, man, it, time's always just flying by, especially with these Psalms, just so, so many layers, like you were saying, but so good having you on and uh, just God bless you with your ministry and everything that's going on. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you on again really soon. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah, been, been, a, been a pleasure. Everybody, that was Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer from St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri. Uh, moving on to uh, next chapter here. So until then, everybody, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.